Beers and Banter, episode 52, we have world champion, Hall of Famer, beach sprinter, extraordinaire, Andrew Kelcoven. Let's rip in. As always, we're really appreciative of the support from the guys at Gripstar Socks. Gripstar Anti-Slip Socks feature panels that create traction that improves speed, acceleration and stability. Gripstar Socks are designed to deliver maximum comfort and flexibility, featuring a breathable mesh design that removes sweat and reduces odours. Perfect for high movement sports, working on your feet or lounging safely at home. Seriously grippy. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Outboard Parts Australia for all your outboard parts and servicing needs. Uh, get online and check out www.outboardpartsaustralia.com.au. Andy, welcome to the Sweaty Box. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, it's uh, well, as always, it, at this time of year, it's not the Sweaty Box. It's more of the chilli bin or the ice box, but uh, nice temperature in here for the for the studio. Thanks for joining us. You've cracked you, you cracked a tin already. What are we on tonight? Uh, these are the uh, Burley Mid-Tide Ales. Yeah. Not a bad drop at all. They've been a bit of a go-to lately. I, I, they go all right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming in. Oh, yeah, that's good. Monday. Something drinking, something about drinking on a Monday, but feels good. Uh, elephant in the room. Obviously, we won't dwell on it, but we're coming off a historic loss last night, as a, and I know you're a proud Queenslander. How how you feel about that? Uh, yeah, mixed emotions there, mate. I think that uh, we were simply outplayed. Um, I think this New South Wales team will go down as probably their best. Yeah. Yeah, very, very formidable squad, that. But, um, yeah, look, I just think it's changing of the guard. Everyone's got to go through cycles in every sport. And I think Queensland's probably had their time in the sun for, for a long time now. It's uh, We were supposed to lose last series 3-0. Yep. And, and jagged it. Yeah, yeah, jagged it. Um, they had some outs. We had some outs, and our t- our team, you know, got the got the chocolates last year. This year, they had that's that is about as strong a team as they're ever going to assemble in New South Wales. And I would always say the best thing about you know Origin is that they can only pick seventeen. You know, they might have three hundred good players, but they can only pick seventeen. We had a couple of key outs: Ponga, Brimson, uh, even the young bloke. So maybe our fullback was probably our fourth choice fullback. A couple of young outside backs. Um, I thought Xavier Coates, after being dumped and then called up on the day, was probably the best out of the back three, even probably out of the back five, to be honest. I thought he had a great game, the young fella. And I'd have to agree with you. I'd, I think the turnaround from Townsville to Suncorp or Lang Park, the good thing I saw last night is we didn't get beat on ticker. We got beat on yeah, talent. Very. We got beat on talent last night. And you've you got to cop that on the chin. And uh, try and come up with a way to, to beat them next time. But uh, game one was probably the most disappointing in the end with the scoreline. And, you know, there's not much you can do once once you're down. But it's going to take a lot, mate, uh, for Queensland to come back from here. I think years, really. And that's my opinion. Unless something happens to that team, they're only going to get better and stronger. And the combinations I've already got. That's the worry. Yeah. I think that's why Queensland was so good is we had that beautiful combinations there where you had a group of players that played together from juniors right through to pretty much they all retired similar time. And you, I guess the, the other thing, you're a proud Broncos fans too. <clears throat> is Paul Green the guy to coach Queensland? 
Oh, look. Yeah, he, he didn't. I was surprised when I saw him get appointed, straight up. I, I thought, um, you know, I, I don't know. Look, he did really well up there with um, the Cowboys, but yeah. I do wonder, you know, towards the end of the – when he started to not get the roster that was uh, so formidable, like with Thurston's and yeah. stuff like that. I think they kind of faded away a little bit. Um, so, yeah, look, I – look, on paper, no. He's had a terrible start and he probably isn't the best guy for there, but um, – you know, like everyone deserves a shot and he's got the runs on the board to get that shot. That's why he was put there. Yeah. But um takes I'm, a special guy. I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm an armchair expert. No no real idea. Uh, I, I, what I was pondering today, Kevy was the Queensland coach. Correct. And, and you know, obviously his dream was to be the Broncos coach. Paul Green also went for the Broncos job. Do you reckon the both of them would be happy to swap at the moment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, two pretty hot the, seats there. Both in a world of hurt. Yeah. Yeah, the Bronx are just, uh, tears me up. I went to their first grand final, actually. Um, 92. Yeah, down yep. there. Yeah, mum, dad drove us down. Went off and, um, yeah, we had a lot of, I grew up in Ipswich, came from Ipswich originally. And um, I think we had about nine of the 13 players were from Ipswich. So Did, did you have the tape? Did you have the um, Ipswich connection tape? No, but I, I actually. Hey, hey, we're the Broncos? Yeah, 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 that, yeah, I did actually. But <laughs> we actually took down a sign that said um, the Broncos from Ipswich and it was across about eight eight rows and we held it up. It was pretty pretty sad looking back on that. But that's that's nice. I, yeah. I think what, and look, I, Broncos get lots of shit on this show, but realistically I followed them for a big chunk of my life before the Titans come in. Uh the thing the fans have got to wrap their head around, though, is that you're never going to get 13 guys in the Origin team again. It just doesn't work. The The, the competition's changed with the salary cap. Um, historic last night, there would... Actually, when Xavier Coates coming back in meant the Broncos had one player, but without, until he got named late, the Broncos had no players in the Origin side. You've got to hit rock bottom, don't you? Yeah. I think we're getting pretty close. But, but part of that is, you know, the last... If you put the 2015 grand final aside that they lost, they haven't really performed to Broncos' expectations since 2006. And that also coincides with the Titans coming in. So people people bag the Titans a lot about being unsuccessful, but the Broncos haven't won anything in that same period of time. And now they've got to share the talent. And now they're talking about another team in Brisbane, so they're going to have mm. to share the talent even further. So my concern is that Broncos fans, you're going to have to find a way to develop the talent and then win a comp with only two or three origin players because you just can't afford to have six, seven, eight, nine, ten origin players in a team anymore. You won't keep them. Mm. Um, that's long and the short of it. Yeah, no, you're right. And we've already seen, you know, a couple of players coming down to the coast from uh, Brisbane. Once upon a time, you'd never ever do that, would well, you? Well, the good thing is they're Gold Coast kids. So the Gold Coast True. are getting their talent back, back. Which, which is good. Yeah, that's that's correct, eh? Hey? That, that, all those boys played together as well, yeah. I, I believe. Um, yeah, so it's good to see them get back together, and that's what they need. That's what New South Wales have got going on for them right now. That's what the Queensland team had. You get these boys that are familiar with their playing style. They don't need to talk. They just yeah. know. You know, like one will pick up the ball and they know what's going to happen. He loves a kick on the inside or, you know, it's just all those little things that just, yeah, you can't really you, train for. You've been playing since, you know, school in the in the on the Oval Lunchtime, you know. No, look, I like the Titans. Um, I look, I tried to support them to be honest, and I, I couldn't. I just, I tried with my heart, and they yeah. just, I don't know. Under Cartwright, I thought their brand of football was boring. Like I just didn't really like watching their games, and I, I, I tried to give it a crack, and um, 
Yeah, look, I copped a lot of shit from all the North Burley Surf Club boys. I think they were St. George orientated back in the day. And well, there was a few of those. Everyone hated the Brisbane Broncos. And um, yeah, that was just part of the territory. But look, this year um, in particular, at the beginning, I thought the uh, style of uh, Titans footy was great. Uh, it's been more entertaining. Um, I think, you know, the coach is doing a great job there. Like, I almost found myself under a duress. Well, I didn't have much to support at Brisbane. But um, I, I tried to get like, – they caught my attention for the first time and I was actually enjoyed watching their games, a couple of games. Yeah, and it, look, well, we'll go from the Broncos to the Titans. I was, at, uh, I was out there the other week. Just I, – I, they've got the talent. They've got the right coach. I reckon he's the right guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And they do have the right brand of play. If they do it for 80 minutes, they'll beat anybody. Yeah. Which they've shown because they've put 30 points on the Roosters in a half. They've, you know, they dominated Manly in the first half. But I don't know what's going on when you, when you go from that to 50 points in a half against you. Mm. And I, part, of the, part of that's the new rules. There's yeah, definitely a lot to be said about once a team gets on top, it's very hard to, yeah. to uh, you know, wrestle that back. But 50 points is 50 points. And there was three or four tries where uh, Garrick just strolled down the last 10 metres and put the ball over the line. But we're seeing this in everything. Like, you have a look at all the for and against. I don't know what the exacts are, but I've never seen football, rugby league anyway, like where we've seen this big one-sided, um, you know, games. That's what I mean, I, It reminds me of the Super League years. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually thought that was league's point of difference. Like, yep. you look at AFL and they're always, you know, 100 points or 50 points and... And that's what I loved about the rugby league is is it was always a battle. Like, you know, yeah. the, the game was always hard fought and it was, you know, exciting. How many games? One point. Remember only a year or two ago, you know, a couple of years, it was golden point this, golden point that. And it was always exciting. Look at the games that uh, the Brisbane and, you know, the, the Cowboys were playing. Like, some of the greatest games of all time were those two. And the, But the close ones now are two lopsided halves. Yeah. So Roosters put on 30, then the yes. Titans put on 30 and they lost by a field goal. Yeah. But it's still a real odd game to watch it like that. The yeah. only close one I remember of late was, a, I think it was maybe Newcastle Warriors were 10-6 the other week. And that was that was the bizarre game. It's like, oh, what happened there? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. It's, Origins, another example, just last night. Yeah. Back in the day, that was a, a blowout score, well, particularly game one's blowout score, mm. you, that was like a real low point for Queensland. I would say this year is again too, but uh, yeah. We'll see what happens. It'd be interesting to see because every time a rule change comes in in any sport I've played, um, the smart ones adapt very early to that and they exploit it. And then it takes a while for the group to catch up. So I really think Brisbane missed the boat when they changed. That's that's one of the things. I noticed it was like as if they trained in a fitness program um, that suited the old style. Yeah. Bigger, heavier boys, you know, running up the middle. You know, now it's more like towards AFL, it's much more running. Yeah. It's a much faster game. And, and their alliance with touch football, I, I think, influenced their, um, that, that rule and, and trying to make it go faster. It looks more like a game of that, like where you keep getting six to go. It's almost dump and run. Yeah. Dump, dump, yep. take the tag and dump. Yeah. Get off the player and, you know, and, and I, I, I don't know, like, can the game sustain that? Maybe they should be looking at the interchange rule, like to up that again to allow – the roster to be, you know, on their feet, and because when you're tired and you're gone and you're spent, you've, you, you know what it's like. It's you can get back, but you go back to being spent again so fast. It's, I was usually bludgeoning on the wing, so I wasn't too, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't too much back and forth. But there was there was a period of time though where the game you had to be six three, hundred and ten kilos, yeah. otherwise you weren't going to get a run. I do like now that 
you know, all shapes and sizes are, are carving up. So yeah. I, I think that is a good thing. But um, I think – I'm not a fan of the six again. I don't like it. Um, it's changed the game. I, I'd rather the whistle was blown, you get a penalty, all right, you get onside. Whereas now, this six again, you, you could defend 18 tackles in a row and and constant. Yeah, I don't know. That's too – it's too much. I do wonder if um – you know, and I'm just thinking off the cuff here. If you threw them in the bin for ten minutes instead of six again, if you get these repeat guys, that yeah. then makes for exciting football. And you're seeing how the defence goes now. Sometimes teams actually defend better with one man down because they focus They're on practicing that. It. Yep, and but they're focused on it and they go to the next level and um, you know, and defend above a level that they normally wouldn't. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, there's you you got to you got to keep the game moving. But at the end of the day, I I, I don't know. I just I think I think it's still finding its feet. I think the clubs are still trying to work out It'll how balance to balance out. Yeah, maybe. I mm. hope so. So you said you're from Ipswich. Mm. How did you end up a world champion uh, in surf lifesaving? Yeah. When, when did you come to the coast? Yeah, interesting. Um, I was quite fortunate. My family had a coast house, the Broadbeach Waters, yep. and um, Dad was club captain of Miami Surf Club in 1969. Wow. Yeah, and um, he took us down there to go join the nippers, but they never had any nippers back in, oh, geez, when did I join? Uh, 87. And, um, yeah, so they recommended going over the hill to North Burley. So that's where I ended up. And, uh, yeah, it was. I was also, I think the last board race I did was in the nippers, and uh, we won the board relay at the yeah. state titles. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Who, do you remember who was in the team? Yeah, Ash Ryan um, and uh, Adam Hawke. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we look at uh, last swimming race I did, but I used to be a swimmer more than a. It was quite funny growing up. People that knew me from swimming never knew I could run, and people that knew me from running <laughs> never knew I could swim. So, um, how did I become uh, good at the surf club? I suppose just oh, we loved it. Like, Started when you were young. Yeah, Dad used to drive us home Sunday afternoon into the Western Sun after a big weekend at the Nippers. We'd be passed out in the back seat, me and my sister Josie. So I remember you're a you're a flagger. That was that was. You know, when I was a young bloke coming up through the club, you were, you know, having a dart and doing beach flag. Is that true? Yeah. Someone said that the other day. Is yeah. that true? You're 20 minutes for an Australian title final, you'd be having a dart out the back of the tent somewhere? Oh, if it was Aussies, I'd probably wait a bit. Like, I'd, 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 <laughs> I'd hold off. But um, I have been seen stretching and smoking at the same time back in the day. Yeah. That's good. I love it. The boys will be happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I remember it as a flagger, which, you know, fans of the show know that uh, I will out and out say that beach flags is the most exciting part of surf lifesaving. And uh, Surf Lifesaving Australia need to do a better job of putting that front and centre uh, on, on, the, on the telly, you know, bring back the fans. Yeah, look, I, I 100% agree that there's a lot of sports in surf lifesaving that do um, excite people. Yep. And, and what other surf life-saving people want isn't what the public want. Yes. And proof of that would have been back when I was at uni, I actually went back to Ipswich um, and I was doing, I just, when I was working up there and I was at UQ doing a business degree and um, what guys would say to me, oh, you're the rubber ducky guy. Like, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, they were the best. They loved it. They said that was the best. We used to love waiting for the rubber duckies in the surf boats. That's yeah. what they love. They love seeing people getting smashed in the surf and, and it was exciting for them. And then, you know, the same as beach flags. I think that falls in the same category. It's short, sharp, action-packed. And it's a spectator sport is the thing. Yeah. You can, you can yep. sit on a stand, a grandstand on the beach. So I'll argue that, yes, the biggest names in surf lifesaving have always been Ironmen, 
from traditionally, but yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only sport that people want to watch from. That's the only events. I, I would love to see the televised action go back to a more of a carnival. Remember there was a period of time when Nutrigrain, the Nutrigrain series was the Ironman, but it was also the individual events. And I think they'd yeah. even do a lifesaver relay. So it was like they're trying to incorporate every discipline, yeah. boats, you know, uh, IOBs, Ironman, the whole work. So I think they need to, for the sport to really get back on the map in Australia, I'd, I'd love to see that sort of atmosphere, that sort of event come back. Yeah, well, I think the competition for viewers has never been more fierce. Like, uh, for example, without being rude, I've been to every, you know, Aussie titles pretty much for like 20 years. And then I've, I've you know, I used to love Saturday afternoon or more so Sunday roaming between the finals. Um, mm. You know, you could just roam up and down the beach. The sprint was an awesome filler in between. Yep. The flags was an, another awesome filler. And it just made the day really complete. And you could go between each of those events. I think that's gone now, um, being at different beaches. I kind of understand what they're doing there. But that's the best crowd you could ever ask for. It's how many tents, how many other spectators. People pay big bucks for a crowd. And if you're trying to sponsor, you know, chase a sponsor, you go, well, look, here's 7,000 people watching this event right here and now. But at the moment you got the juniors down one area, you've got this over here, and I just think they've watered down that that side of things from an atmosphere. I'll have to admit, I haven't been doing Aussies for a few years. Yeah. Um, you know, we had lots, lots of involvement in the nippers, and by the end of the nipper state titles, I was I was exhausted. I'd had enough of the beach for the for the summer, but I, so I didn't get up to the sunny coast, but I, yeah, so you've got boats on one beach, and you've got yeah, other events on others, and then juniors down. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I. Like you said, they're spreading it out and obviously, you know, the right conditions for the right event, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I'd much prefer one big beach where it was all happening. I used to love walking down watching the boat final. Yeah. You know, and, and other people would do it. You know, It's like golf. You know, you're, everyone's walking around the, Yeah. Know, kind of going to the right event. But look, at the end of the day, there's still exciting racing going on. Um, it's just, I, I, I like the idea of everybody being there. It gets a bit of, it keeps the camaraderie with a bit of, you know, like you I'll never forget, you know, Heath Fitzpatrick coming up to me one day and I was in a semi-final. It was the Australian final and I was a bit like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to go here. And he just said, look, mate, names mean nothing on the day. And he came over and G'd me up and the boys from the tent came over. And that was just the most awesome feeling for a young bloke, you know, having guys from other sections coming over and, and, and you know, barracking for you. For sure. And that's flags is that one of those sports where you, your yeah. club can really get, get around you around the arena. So... Um, you yeah, know, that is a really good feeling when you, when you can, you know, you're sitting there, it's a, it's a real explosive. So you've got to go from super still to, to absolutely explode out of the sand. It's very hard and you get real twitchy and obviously it's people break and all that sort of thing. I guess like any sprinting, but flags is a, is a particular one where you've got to stay, stay dead still and, you know, wait for that whistle. But, um, yeah, no better feeling than your mates cheering you on when, you, when, when you're doing the flags. Uh, let's. I'll, I'll get your thoughts on the future of sport at the end. But so take us from, like, gone from nippers, board relays, beach flagging. But most people in the sport know you as the IOB guy, Andy, world champion, Australian champion. You told me something before. What was that stat you said before though? What What was that? How many? Oh, yeah. So for me. Um Winning an Australian gold medal took a fair bit of time. I won uh, 13 silver and bronze medals before I cracked a gold. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of bad luck. And I think that perseverance to just keep wanting to get a gold medal, I just kept turning back up. I had motors break down, 
equipment break, um, you know, having mental failures of my own, like yep. all sorts of different stuff, physical blowouts, injuries, all sorts of different things. And, um, yeah, look, I just was that guy that was always there, but young. It's, it came to me really fast. You know, my third carnival ever was an Australian title and I, I ran a third at that. And so, yeah, it was an old man sport, really, because yep. you had to have a pretty switched on brain. And like the flags too, you got to, you know, it's quite short and explosive. So, yeah, look, I, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty hard to, um, uh, keep me out of a boat. I knew I was always going to end up in an IRB. I could smell the, the fumes from around the corner. And... The, there's a lesson there, though, <laughs> for the kids, though, perseverance. I've been trying to tell my kids. I saw a really good quote the other day, and I'm going to butcher it, so I won't even try it. But perseverance beats everything. You know, It doesn't matter if you're a genius. It doesn't matter if you're educated. Perseverance will win because yeah. you know there's there's lots of educated derelicts was, was basically the quote. Um, uh, there's a good lesson there for the kids that, you know, after 13 silvers and bronze, you would have been forgiven to say, hey, I'm not going to get one of these gold ones. I'll, I'll try something else. But mm. then you went on a run after that for, you know, how many golds for, for over a period of time to be, well, to be the first person or one of two people inducted into the, uh, is it the IRB Hall of Fame in Australia? No, what no, is it? What no, is I mean, it? there surf, was Trev. Surf Life Saving Hall of Fame. Yeah, Surf Life Saving Australia, yeah. yeah first but you're the IRB. first IRB inductee into yeah. the Surf Life Saving Australia Hall of Fame. That's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. It was huge. It was um, probably the greatest achievement. Actually, I'm not really that proud of my sporting achievements. I just kind of let them go. But, yeah, that was huge. They made a big fuss about us. And, um, yeah, it was just really good getting a phone call. And, you know, for me, you know, the, the calm words have said that, you know, not only was it my well, was my sporting ability and and all those gold medals that got me into that hall of fame but what impressed graham ford and the boys at the time was my ability to at the same time coach and bring through all the young fellas so yeah yeah we were all fighting over the same gold medals both me and my you know guys that i trained for, you know got them their licenses and um yeah they were formidable my our australian or our um training sessions were as good as an australian final i had four of the best boys including myself in the country and yeah, we'd be training down there at the North Burley Beach and probably making everyone think it looked pretty easy. But, yeah, it's um, a lot of people come unstuck in those boats. I think there's, you can see now it's not it's not that easy. You know, the, it, without your without your drive there, it's 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 not not the same. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Look, the the clubs got a like, bit like the Broncos, I suppose. Rebuilding. Um, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, they're going to do their rebuild in many areas at the moment. We all probably heard different things, but. Yeah, look, uh, for me, um, I got given a um, a club as, a, as an opportunity. They asked me to coach, and they asked me to coach at quite a young age. I think I coached 12 years, the last 12 years, and competed. Yep. And that's hard to do. You make decisions, and, you know, you've got to do everything like, as well as a coach and, you know, and, and be competing. And to be, without sounding like a wanker, the best competitor in that, it's very subjective. So I actually slowed my boat down and made four even boats and just said, well, look, let the best man win. And yep. I had the boys racing for me and, and it was just, we were all even boats and we just had the best group of people. And look, there was a plenty of people that were before me as well. Like, yep. um, you know, I, I came into a pretty proud and established, um, you know, club for IRBs. Yes. So it's not like as if I started something from nothing, you know, I got, I got given um pretty good footprint. Yes. Um, you know, I'd like to think that we went on and took it to another level. Um, but, you know, I, I, I couldn't have done that without being given such a great club and, you know, to get going with. I was reading today that um, you're a world champion 
but the quote in the article basically said that um, it's actually harder to win an Aussie title than a world title. So, mm. you, um, yeah, it's a big challenge. I think it was an article from maybe the 2017 or 2018 uh, world champs where you, said, where you must have, yeah. have travelled overseas to win one. And yeah, or oh, it might have been Nordwick in the maybe, Netherlands. Yep. Yeah. yeah, look, it, it is. Like most surf life saving, it's that depth. Um, but, yeah, look, I was quite proud over there. We went over there and I think – I think we won six or seven out of the eight. Um, we went first, second, third in the rescue, which is a Blue Ribbon event. Yeah. So we only took three crews. But, mate, we won a world title with – we entered three of the eight events. I took down three young boys' crews and we won the overall club and we never even had a woman with us. And, um, yeah, we, we had really good guys. Yeah, um, we all – I just taught them everything that I knew. So that was the overseas one or that was the one – the return one back in Australia? Yeah, we first went down to South Australia. That's yep. when we only took the boys. Yep. And, um, yeah, I've only ever entered six uh, world title events. Yep. I've been pretty fortunate. I won all six of those. But like, it's not a bad hit, right? Yeah, but at the end of the day, um, I had all my boys with us. And, and you know, we were winning – we were dominating, like, you know, for uh, – it was a great time, a great period where we were, you know, getting beaten – uh, North Burley was only getting beaten by North Burley competitors. So it, it, it was very, you know, one of those things that you can only get from um, from my perspective, I saw it as just teach them everything you know. Yeah. And if they're better than you, they'll beat you. They'll, and that was my theory. And, and so I just told them everything I knew and everything I'd been taught. And that's how I got good is, is people had taught me what they knew. And so I just passed it on down the line and um, – yeah, it was a great uh, – some of the best times of my life travelling the world with – you know, sometimes we were booking for 70 people, mate, an IRB team. That's, that's, a, that's a big crew. It's Well, it's getting – it's got that way now uh, in the junior section of the club. It's it's too big. I was talking to someone the other day and it, it's too big to, to book as a group. It's just too many people. Yeah. Logistically too big to, yeah. for us to book because we've just booked our accommodation for state titles next – Next year, April next year. Wow! Because you know accommodation was running out and filling up and getting too expensive. So, but yeah, phenomenal that uh, the logistics have taken a big club to to an event. Yeah. Um. So I think is it what What do you reckon? What about you though individually? You said you you dial the engine down or you do you give everyone the same boat and the investment. What made you tick that little bit different? What 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 you what got you the edge on the day? So what we try to unlock on the pod is what's the difference between, you know, guys that are good at their sport, guys and girls that are good at their sport and, and the elite. And I would say you're the elite in, in your given sports. Yep. Um, I'm a Virgo. We got that in common. That's Where did I go wrong? That can't be it. That can't be the magic. And I'm not that kind of guy that's into horoscopes. But now, look, I think why I said that is Virgos are quite particular. Like, they're, yep. they're very, like, you can either be messy or not. But, like, yeah, they can be very um, strategic and, and in their approaches. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think that um, I loved it. That's the first thing. You've got to love something. You can't do what I did for that long yes, and give up that much all through those processes unless you love it. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing probably would be that um, I did have a bit of, uh, a good, you know, I was a swimmer. I'd been doing beach flags. I played a lot of footy, yep. um, mainly union. Um, you know, like I did, I did a lot of sports, water polo. And, and so I had this really broad base, I suppose, physically. So IRB racing is nothing what people probably think on the outside. They probably think we just jump in a boat and screw the throttle and the boat, the motor does all the work. 
It's probably one of the most complicated sports to get right. You'd, you usually start up on the soft sand, run to yeah. the boat, turn it round, which is a, a feat in itself with two people, drag it in, then start it, then get out there. Yeah, well, you're showing your age now, mate. We've st- oh, they don't do that anymore? <laughs> no, I've no, been to one for a while. No, what they do is uh, work, health and safety. When we, They came in with a whole heap of different rules. So we were talking about that. Probably a good time to cover. the sport. 20 years ago, and probably the time that I was following the IRB crew around, Yeah, the sport nearly nearly got shut down or did get shut yeah, down for did. a period of time. Yeah, um, So what happened there? What, what did they have to do to accommodate, you know, you know, the 21st century to keep the, the IRBs racing. Yeah, quite interesting. I did a uni project at the end of my uni on this. And, yeah, right. Um, yeah, we, um, and it was communicating the changes. So basically what we had is um, a sport that the insurers didn't want to insure. It mm-hmm. was too risky. The, the dollars just to register the sport per year was cost prohibitive for surf life saving. Australia and Queensland and all, all the states to, to keep going forwards. But... Um, what, what it came back to is as a cowboy aspect, um, mm-hmm. that radical kind of stuff that you probably, you know, if you've been around the club back in the days that we were pretty renowned for, um, it was just, it made it professionalised it basically. So we had to take the sport and we, Queensland was the first state to get it back and we were like the test dummies. And so we just basically put the ownership of the sport back onto the members and just said, hey, look, if we um, stuff this up and keep hurting ourselves, um, there will be no IRB racing. Or worse, if you keep suing your surf club because of a voluntary thing that you've got into? Yeah, look, we weren't too bad. It, what was hurting, and there wasn't any suing going on. It was work cover. See, the problem is, is you're covered by work cover. When so you, you t- if you don't turn up for work Monday, then it's, it's not really your choice, but work yeah. cover's in getting involved. Yeah, right. And there was a couple of little injuries there that probably brought, you know, like, you know six-figure kind of payouts into the into the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you know, big. Yeah, you push a knee backwards or something like that and you know mm. that, that that can be your income you know capacity you know and income's gone but um yeah look it, it, since then i'd like to think that the sports you know well i'll tell you two realizations and a lot of people probably don't realize this but soon as irb racing stopped irb drivers left and the and the um the the, the, the clubs were struggling to fill patrols so safeties, undeniably, surf life savings goal every weekend is to put flags up on the beach. Yeah, but there's different motivations to get members to donate. They to- yeah, essentially, you know, give their time, and and it can be substantial depending on the size of your club, uh, and and the competition aspect, whether it be IRB racing or Ironman racing or boat racing or whatever it might be, is actually potentially the key driver why that person donates six hours every couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, so that's uh, that would have been huge at the time. If all of a sudden you can't, uh, all your IB drivers leave leave not only the sport but the organisation, that that yeah. has massive ramifications. Yeah, look, the good thing about a, a rubber ducky member in surf life saving is, with it, like we are, I say we, I've been retired and I don't have very much to do. Although it's, it's not still, what I've heard. It's not what I've heard. Yeah. Oh no, look. I, <laughs> I help a few people in the background that want to be helped. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the key. If you want help, you ask. Um, but look, at the end of the day, um, look, we're the members that you see fundraising. We're the members that go and do the water safety for the summer guys. Yeah. the guys that, you know, at North Billy, we did the nipper water safety. And we, we are like what I would say, 
um, what surf lifesaving members may have looked like, and I say this loosely because it could cause people to get upset, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like the old days where you went and volunteered um, your time. Like we race, and me as an Australian champion, I was still doing water safety. Still required. Yep. Yeah, I was still turning up and coming and doing the nippers water safety down the club on the weekend. Yes. You know, and I, I was going off to Aussies and we'd go to, the, you know, and, and that was the thing about it. There was a fraternity there that, like, you, you guys may or may not know what goes on at Aussies, but those IRBs that are all out there, they all hang out and get on the turps after and socialise and have their own awards and, you know, old yep. mate flip too many times, this, that. And, and it's this real... Like community, yeah, I did my first carnival water safety this year in the, in the IRB. Just just a couple of you know, just a little bit. But yeah, it's obviously it's logistically a big big deal in the background. And yeah. people just see, oh, there's a couple of boats out there today. You know, yeah. mate, someone set them up. Someone you know, and got it's there not enjoyable, is it, Matt? Ah, uh, it's fun, but it's you got to have the right boat. Me, yeah. me and uh, our guy, you know, well, Cliff. Uh, oh yeah. If, you, if you're in the boat with the right person, it can be an enjoyable time. If, if you're in the boat with the wrong person, then, uh, yeah, it could be a long, long stint. Cliffy's famous quote to me. Cliffy sat in the front of my boat, actually, for yeah. a season. Yeah, he raced with us. And uh, he said to us, um, I'll see, he goes, oh, I can't do this anymore. And I said, oh, why is that? He goes, oh, I'm sick of waking up Monday morning feeling like I've been run over by a truck. Yeah. And I thought, wow, Cliffy. You winger. No. <laughs> no, Cliffy was awesome. and um, But it's true. Like you, It's like playing football. You go run out there and play a game of you know, rugby league and you haven't played for a year, yep. even just one year. Like you're going to hurt. So, But when you do the water safety, it's a different thing. That's back to racing where I was saying. If you go do water safety and sit in there, it's, it, it's, it's not a bad thing. And, and people have got to understand as the driver, the captain, you, you've got to – of a vessel, you've got to kind of operate, you know, accordingly. Mm. And that's where that – Cowboy stuff, a lot of it got stamped out. So to come back, we, we were on the – the sport was on the brink. Yeah. So they were, they were blink, bringing in, getting rid of the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, um, you said before, that's, is that four-blade prop? Was that when that come in? It was around that time? What was uh, that all about? Yeah. Look, uh, the four-blade's a bit of a tricky one. Um, yeah, there's there's rumours around all sorts of different people have actually designed that prop. <laughs> um, Don't stitch me up. Don't. <laughs> But um, no, look, I can give you the exact reasoning why. Yes. Um, when they reintroduced the sport, um, they sealed the engines from factories so you can't modify them. Mm-hmm. They basically pulled the handbrake on them. They identified in that study that there's a number of reasons why people are getting hurt and one of them was well, they were going too fast. Yes. So they slowed us all down and one of those was the four-blade propeller. So it has advantages in means of its grip. So having an extra blade over the three blade doesn't cavitate as much in yeah, the foam. That's right, but it's got more drag. So you dragging more blades through the water, so it doesn't quite have the same top end. So that was just one of the one of the uh, implementations. From yeah. It. So that's cleared it up for a few of the blokes that I know listen to this pod at <laughs> home. That's that is the origins of the four blade prop for surf life saving. If we could move on, uh, so we will move on from there. Uh, you've gone from you, you've re, you, you say you're retired from the IB racing, but you're doing something way madder, way crazier. You're doing tinny derbies. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, the dinky derby. Yep, I so, love it. F- so for those listening at home, just jump on YouTube, Google dinky derby. Uh, crazy, absolute madness. You're in a you're in a, you're in a boat about the size of this table. What size engine have you got on it? Yeah, well. Um it starts as a 30. Well, there's all of these different classes, but basically you can run from a 15 horsepower to a 30. My class, well, 
most people would know, I went straight to the top. I wanted to go as fast as we could. So we've got unlimited motor mods. Um, there's only a couple of rules that we've got to follow, like the height of the engine. and so that's it, the Formula One of tinny derbies. Yeah, there's a lot of people spending a lot of money yeah, down there on these boats. There's over 100 boats in, in the dinghy derby. And, um, yeah, so basically we're doing over 90 k's an hour in a three-metre three tinny. And to put that in perspective, the surf club rubber ducky is 3.75 or 3.8. Yeah. yeah, but you're also in probably, what, 12 inches of water? Yeah, it varies. Um, it go, you go, it's a really cool race. It's the best yep. thing I've ever done in a boat, to be honest with you. And um, I got hooked. The best first thing you've ever done yeah. in a boat? Yeah, oh, okay. not the maddest, but yeah, probably the most fun. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, so some parts of the track you're in a wide open river, but when you get into those tight creeks, you might have two, three inches of clearance either side of the boat and you'll be buzzing through there at 100% throttle. Branches clean you up if you don't duck, that sort mm. of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty dangerous. And where are you at with that? You've 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 gone all right, but you're still Yeah, um yeah, look, so I did one season while well, I was still racing the surf club stuff actually. Okay. Yep. Guy asked me to drive, I think it was two thousand seventeen. And um we yeah, we went down there. Um there's a pretty cool little Red Bull um like documentary on it. Yeah. They, they nicknamed us the Outsiders. And um yeah, with the crazy guys driving from the Gold Coast because it's all done in South Australia down around mostly locals or yeah, all local. Well you gotta wait wait until you when you Google You gotta know the creek. A hundred percent. The yep. first race I did I missed all the creeks. I was turning around, coming back and that same year we just yeah, we had a good little motor and um I was driving for a mate called Nathan Wilson from uh, Works by Wilson and um he's an engineer and knows how to build a mad engine and so basically uh I'd come up with an idea and he'd build it and we went down there and shook the tree pretty hard. We got uh, third in the series, but uh, we were driving through the field in the main race and we, we couldn't finish. We ended up blowing that motor up, but that's a, <laughs> that's a race of nutrition, that one. So, Did you did you say earlier you broke your back doing this stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had a bit of an accident. Um, it wasn't racing. Everybody thinks I, I crashed racing. But, okay, right. Yep, yep. so um, we were down there for an enduro race and um, so I decided – so I had to go over to the world titles in Europe. And yeah. so when I couldn't drive for my mate, I said to him, why don't you just drive the boat? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to. And so anyway, he started driving it and probably thought, why am I, you know, he owned the boat. Why, why aren't I driving? Yes. He's right. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, I kind of got pushed to the side a bit there. And um, oh, it was my fault. I was pretty hard to pin down. And um, yeah. and so, um, yeah, we I, I bought my own boat. And so I've had it crack myself. So I went and bought my own boat and I started, I wanted something to do, still driving when I finished from the RV. So we hadn't even done a race yet. Now I bought a boat. We've been down there. They changed the rules because a few people got hurt mm -hmm. and a um, bit more savage injuries and, and what, good mate died and a few things down there. And anyway, so look, yeah, it's pretty. Wow. Yeah. So um, uh, like basically what happened was is, um, we were checking the track out the day before. Mm -hmm. So, because I don't know where I'm going, or I didn't, or I still don't, I'm about to enter that race for the first time um, in two months. So, that's my yep. next race. And um, so, it's taken me three years to get back to, to get back there. Yeah. So, basically, um, we were checking the track out, and I was, had a mate of mine in the boat. He was driving us around, and um, some random guy, just like you going fishing on the weekend, got his left and rights mixed up. He was on the right. Uh, the left-hand side, which is the wrong side, and we we're on the right-hand side of the uh, river, which is the right way to go. And I saw the guy coming and didn't think too much of it. I felt my mate adjust accordingly. And anyway, long story short, he followed us like a kamikaze pilot. Just veered India. Yeah, and we had a head-on collision. 
Shit. Mm, pretty scary stuff. That is full on. Yeah. So what sort of damage are we talking? Um, yeah, well, both boats were written off. They're both just No, tinnies. not the boats, mate. What did you do to yourself? Oh, um, yeah, look, I was pretty lucky, to be honest with you. Yeah. So for the first time in my life, I wore a life jacket in a in a tinny as a pleasure like boat. Yeah. Like everyone, imagine going out in a boat. On the, you go up the broadboarder today, Matt, you think, oh, yeah, we'll go for, for a scout in a tinny. You wouldn't put your life jacket on, would you? No, kids do, not me. No, exactly. There's one there somewhere, but no. Well, I didn't know where to put my race jacket. It was a bit cold, so I zipped it up. Yeah. And so the best thing I've ever done, pro- potentially saved my life. So what happened was, is I, I just remember the boat sitting and going backwards, free flying through the air. But um, somehow, I, I don't know whether the boat hit me or I hit the boat, but I broke my back um, through the life jacket, knocked myself out. And it's quite muddy water down there. Like it's not muddy. It's um, it's quite uh, brackish, and you can't the visibility be lucky to be a foot. Fucking hell! Yeah, so it, it floated me. Sorry, swear jar. Sorry, people. Yeah, yeah that's so, crazy. Yeah, so it floated me, and I uh, broke my arm in the process, and banged myself up a few bruises and and whatnot, a couple of cuts and that. But um, so yeah, it was quite quite a um scary moment. It looked like something out of a war zone, and I say that with respect, but um, because yep. I've never been to war, and I'm. You know, I'm not disregarding that, but there was bits of boat everywhere and had me mate on the phone ringing in like, you know, emergency services and yeah, it was pretty, pretty full on and I was just stuck on the riverbank actually quite, quite interestingly standing up. I come to, stood up and anyway, I thought I was going to die there and then on the bank I couldn't breathe and so, but you know, I didn't realise I was coming to. I thought I was going the other way. I was thinking. Yeah, wow. Yeah, but I was actually coming to. It does weird things when you get knocked out, but um. And yes. you sign, you sign a, you know, I guess that's that's not a racing incident. That's just a no, could same as getting anyway. cleaned up in the car, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, I laid in hospital. I had a terrible time. I won't go into those details, but I was I had a pretty rough run in the hospital. I thought to myself when I was laying there, I thought, oh, I think I'd yeah, risk. I'm a big believer in risk versus reward. And that's yep. how I've kind of lived a lot of my life. If there's a big risk and not much reward, you know, why do it? Like, so yeah. I started thinking to myself, well, the risks here are probably outweighing the reward. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought to myself, well, hang on a second. This could have happened anywhere, anytime. Could this, have happened up the broad water. This had nothing to do with racing. It wasn't, yeah. it was no practice day. It was nothing, nothing at all. It was just, two, you know, three bikes going for a spin in the boat. And yeah. Just cruising around. So, um, yeah, like, uh, long story short, I thought to myself, well, more reason to live my life the way I wanted to. And, um, yeah, so I started the recovery and. Yeah, it's still getting physio every week, but yeah, yeah, yeah back's holding up. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, following how you go in a couple of months' time. Hopefully, yeah. uh, we can we can watch along there somewhere. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the big three, I just want I want you to tell me what your your thoughts. We were talking about surf life saving broadly, but you know what what your thoughts of the future of the sport is. Uh, you, you, we do have that problem as a volunteer organisation that you do need to get people to volunteer their time to stay in the sport. You know how how does the how does life saving and maybe more particularly IRB racing how, how do they attract kids into the sport and keep them over the next ten years with with people with, with so many different interests and so many different uh, pursuits that people have got available to them now? Yeah, really good question. Um, I think the biggest threat to surf life saving is um, not so much the participants but the relevance of the sport. Yeah. Um, we all know professional lifesavers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like looking Sydney, and you know, like the boys. We all know guys that work for the council here, and you know, at the end of the day, well, the Gold Coast just announced that they're they're doubling down on their in their Gold Coast City lifeguards. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, look, that's that's probably a, a very touchy one. Um, so therefore, 
again, without going back to IRBs, the best thing about the rubber duckies I, that I liked was it was actually an applicable life-saving skill that's used on the beach every weekend. And it's the, it's the tool that's saving lives today. And when was the last time you saw someone rescue someone on a ski? Yeah, or a surf. <laughs> surf. That's controversial. I've just one of my favourite listeners has just thrown, oh, <laughs> just turned me off for sure. Yeah, no, I'm joking, but no, I, no, I but definitely agree that you know there are a couple of events that are probably pure. If you want to get you know to the purest of the sport, it's probably board paddling, swimming, and IRB racing is probably the three most applicable events that you can do because, or maybe board rescue, I should say. Uh, yeah. because that's actually how we save people when when, yeah. when they get into trouble. Yeah, and it's it is very very true. Like, um, well, I just I suppose I ask you the question: Who do you want me? Who who do you want to come and rescue in a rubber ducky? Me or some guy who just got his thing and's never raced? Like he With just the got tube. His, no, he's got his <laughs> license driving that boat. Like, yeah. So the skills that all these guys are learning are are literally applicable. What and it's and it's better for the sport. They're so the that, guy you want sitting under the un, in the trailer. Yeah, pretty much waiting for a rescue yeah. for sure. Yeah, and they are the guys generally speaking. But look back onto what you're saying with the surf so had, sports. Had, yeah, well, how do you how do you get them? How do you, how do we stay relevant? How do you keep participants in? Um, look, I have a unique path through surf lifesaving. Um, being multidisciplined, like I was one of the few that did you know IRBs and summer. Yes. Um, I think there's got to be something for everybody. And that even includes the surf boats. And, you know, those are still good members, good patrolling members, bringing sponsorships to clubs, et cetera. So the clubs, each club's got their own individual, I suppose, DNA and what they, you know, their own formula of how they rock their show. Like, basically, you know, you look at every club up the coast and every single one has its own little culture and its own DNA. Yes. Um, like, for the sport generally, I think you've got to fulfil um, as many people's um, paths like you, you've got to give them the opportunity like if you've got the opportunity for people to race IRBs I think that's excellent um, so it's at that nibber everybody knows it's the nibbers so I think where we were so successful I believe is is we chased bronze groups so you've got these new members from the public that are one enthusiastic but two also um, not going to become your next Ironman because they don't want a professional sport mm-hmm. and not many people have the time to be a professional sports person because you've got to be good before you can give up your day job and it's a bit of a horse before the cart. You've got to start when you're young generally. Yeah. You know, so you've either got to come from another sport. So I I think that one of the keys is is giving those – from a club successes is giving them options at that bronze or nipper transition um, so that they do know, like they go, well – you know, here's a, I can go and do beach flags, which is still really rewarding. Um, yes. and, and it's not, you know, and some people hate the water. I remember guys that used to fake, fake getting sick, you know, <laughs> like to, to, to not go out. So, um, yeah, but from a sport, like let's, so that's how you keep your members there, but from a surf Give sport, them options as, as they turn that 13, 14, yeah. 15 year old, not everyone wants to be an Ironman. No. No. You, you're going to have people who are going to want to drive a boat. I've, fund- I've fundraised a lot of money and I've done a lot of patrols and I've done a lot of water safety and I would have gone if it probably wasn't for IRBs 10 or 15 years earlier. Like yeah. so, But um, from surf sports, I, I agree with you. The, um, you know, the, the old format of where all of those people were included, it was the right format for, well, I mentioned before, crowds. But I think for the people at home watching too, it gave them something that was exciting. So if you were to ask me, I think the Cool and Gatter Gold is an awesome awesome event it's a greatest like I, I love it it's the marathon of surf life saving yeah and then you've got these races in between i, I think 
that the best thing about the format with the Nutri-Grain, and I'd even do it further, is drag the cans closer to the beach. Yeah. Because as a spectator on the beach, I find it hard to see who's 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 swimming the, around the swim can, who's coming where, and it, and it gets a bit boring. All well, you do well, is see someone run around the... We had TJ Hendy on the pod a few, couple of pods ago, and he basically yep. said us that um, one of the dudes running it now, the swim always goes in a certain position because, yeah, for that reason, once they disappear into the water... Yeah. The, you potentially lose lose well, your views. Well, what I find happens, it's it's like this. When, when you it, check the f- footy, on, the check the score on the footy because they're, they're yeah. going to be in a swim league for six or eight minutes and yeah. you can't see much. And then all of a sudden you start watching football and you don't go back. But yep. the the um, the other, I suppose, the way to liken it is this. When the track and field are at the Olympic Games. Was, oh, th- this is exactly what I was thinking. The Olympic Games, you're what cutting you backwards and forwards all the time. But what is the one track and field event that the whole world basically stops to watch? 100 metres. 100 metres. Why? Because everyone wants to know who the fastest man on the planet is. But it's exciting. Or woman, short. I should yeah, say. Yeah, it's short. Yep. And it's fast. Everyone can relate to running. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so people, oh, I think the same thing. Like I love, the thing I love the most about the Taplin is intensity. Yeah. And why? Because it's sort of everyone's tagging and tagging and tagging, you know, so it's always intense. Everyone's giving – the whole race is done at 100%. Yes. And I, that's what I think makes exciting TV. And so, yeah, more exciting they can make that sport, but th- that doesn't mean go away from cool and gonna gold stuff or still keep the longer circuit stuff. But, you know, I, I don't know, I think horses for courses, so but to speak. if you're watching the Olympics and you're watching the marathon, yeah, that's not the coverage you get. You don't get – four hours of just the marathon, no. you'll get an update and then yeah. they'll cut to something that's short and sharp and then they'll come back and go, oh, old mate's still in front and then yeah. they'll go and show you the shot put and then they'll come back. It could be the same with life saving. Yeah. You're watching an Ironman race, but in, you know, they cut, all right, update, you know, Xteen's still in front. All right, now back to the men's flags final. All right, now we're going to cut over to the, to the, to the women's ski, you know, like, and they could be going backwards and forwards between... Yep. Events if there were multiple things happening at once, for sure. Yeah, well, I, I suppose it's a pretty simple one. It's like business, isn't it? If you if you say to yourself, what what do people love? They love excitement. Where in the race is the excitement going through the break? We'll make them go through the break more. Yeah, do a what a W pattern. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I'm not really up with those. You know, you know these days or what yeah, the formats what are, and yep. yeah. But like at the end of the day, whenever I wanted to have fun with our rubber ducky guys, I'd set up W or triangle courses in the break. Yeah. And that's how we learnt, like driving and... That was the most fun. There used to be two cans on the inshore and you had to... Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Hey, uh, been a great guest, but I've got three questions for you to, to finish off. Uh, you ready for them? No. no. <laughs> Do you want another beer? You, how's your beer going? You're right. Yeah, no, I'll always have another beer, mate. Yeah. Right, <laughs> well, let's, I'll crack one more before yeah. we get started. Because, it, uh, you know, beer is an important part of this question. Right, Ace. So, crack that. I want to know your favourite place in the world for a beer. Yeah. Very un- very underprepared for oh, this. Oh, the dog's just chimed in. Thanks for that. Yeah. Acoustic. <laughs> need some acoustic treatments on the door. Um, look, I would have to say the first place that comes to mind is North Burley Surf Club. I think that might be because um, I've had so many there. But I just love sitting on that bar there and watching people 
yep. walk past. Um, the schooners taste better at North Burley. Yeah, they do. And I think it's a very unique view where you can sit that close to the path and, and the grass there and, and, you know, you can basically be on patrol from the bar there. Um, <laughs> probably have done a few from there. <laughs> yeah, no comments there. But, um, <laughs> uh, other than that, um, as sad as it sounds these days, probably, probably out in my backyard. No, that's all right. That's yeah. all right. You know, I love my backyard. Uh, favorite athlete of all time? <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't actually have one. I, I gave you a warning before yeah, the show. I know, and and I'm, I I struggle with many decisions like this because I think it's an important one because uh, I I got a lot of respect for athlete. When I think of athlete, I think of individual, not as a uh, kind of sports person. Uh, I respect Kelly Slater very yeah. very highly um, to be at the best and just keep on going, locking you know. Like that, that's hard. The, the He's almost Benjamin Button like, isn't he? he just, yeah. He got, got like younger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's you know, actually funny. People said that about me too. And I, I to be honest, Andy, I was going to say to you, mate, you are looking good. You're, you're, <laughs> you're looking five years younger, younger than the last time I've seen you. So something's obviously going good. Yeah, you're you're going got, well. Oh, mate, the big news. I've, you, had a, I've had a big couple of years. I got married yeah. a couple of months ago. Mate, yeah. it's working for you. Yeah. You're looking good. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I, I, I won't lie. I love her. Eh? Like, I was just absolutely like. That's but, a bit cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey out there, if you watch this, I love Shout you. Shout out. <laughs> no, no, it's a bit different for me. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's changed me. Michaela's been great for me. That's but back, awesome. But back on to the uh, best person, you have to be Kelly Slater. Kelly. Yeah. And then last one. Any four people from history, alive or dead, over for a beer and a barbecue, who's coming and what are you cooking? Mm. And again, haven't really uh, prepared. But let's start with the easy stuff. Um, I'd be cooking a steak. I'm known for my steaks. Yeah, I love steak. Certain cut. You've got a certain. Oh cut yeah, can... probably rib on the bone. And yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's oh. pretty hard to go past a bit of a bone in the steak there. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that's what we'd be eating. Uh, drinking red wine. I'm a bit of a red wine man now. It's a bit different yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, who? Well, uh, John Howard would be one. J J H. Mm. There you go. Yeah, Australia's best prime minister, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, he got the country going. Um, They're still living off his coattails, to be honest. Yeah, mate. Yeah, you don't see much of him anymore, do you? Nah. He pops his head up every now and again. The only time we see him is when they eyebrows. replay that bowl that he did at the cricket. You know, when he. Oh yeah. yeah that's yeah. tough. That's um, tough. So we got John Howard. Yep. Yeah. Usain Bolt. Yep. Because I'd want to know, like, I can't work I reckon you've got him covered over 20. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, Sorry, you want to you know what from Yeah, him? I, I want to know how two runners from the same stable at the same time can smash the world record. Yeah. Mm. Genetics. Um, yeah, genetics from different families. But anyway, that, that'd be the question. I'd like to know his training program. Well, there's a, isn't there a young kid that's just beat some of his junior records or something? Probably. I, I, I haven't been, mate, since I've had my business, yeah, it's been pretty hard to keep up on that. So we've got John Howard, Usain Bolt. Who else you got? You've got two more. Um, hmm, very good question. The old man. Yeah. Yeah. You said alive or dead. He's no yeah. longer with us. Yep. Yeah. Just to say g'day. Yeah, that's good. Um, another one. Last, lucky last. Hmm. Who would I? Who would I like to learn from? Oh, that's what I would like. I like. I like. I like talking to people. I like yeah. learning, and and you know because the, so that's how you learn. You chit chat to people. So um, 
Yeah, I'd probably come back to Kelly Slater. Yeah, that's 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 not a bad that's a dinner party yeah. I'd go to. I like it. Yeah. Mate, I really appreciate your time. It's been one of my favourite chats. Um everyone can find you at uh www.outboardpartsaustrade.com.au. Do you do any socials or anything like that? You want oh to yeah, no, we got a Facebook page and Facebook. Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah we've got Instagram? a website. No, no, I'm not a, I'm not right. a, I can't even keep up with the phone. The phone calls coming in these days. So, so you better get on follow follow the team at Outboard Parts Australia on Facebook and uh, yeah, check out their website. Mate, really appreciate you coming in. Uh, welcome anytime, and uh, good luck. You're doing a bit of commentary on the weekend. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a bit of a new hobby they've asked me to, but thanks for having us. I hope the people at home got something out of it. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Cheers.